Welcome to the Corporate Minister Podcast, a safe space dedicated to the hearts and minds of African-American men. Today's work environment presents some unique challenges for Black men, and they can sometimes feel overstressed, overburdened, and at the same time undervalued and underappreciated. The Corporate Minister Podcast is about speaking a word of support, encouragement, and healing to the men in these spaces, as well as to those who love and support them. We also seek to provide a means for others to understand these men, their hopes, dreams, and challenges, in order to bridge the gaps and create a dialogue. Our guiding principles in these discussions are the Word of God and the love of Jesus Christ. Our bedrock scripture, and the one that underpins all of our work here, can be found in Matthew 11, 28 and 29, where it is written, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. With that, we welcome you to the Corporate Minister Podcast, presented by your host, the Reverend Dwayne Dixon. Welcome to the Corporate Minister Podcast. My name is Dwayne Dixon, and I serve on the ministerial staff at Progressive Baptist Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm also a technology executive, and I've been in corporate America for more than 25 years. My calling is to minister to the needs of men who are sometimes forgotten, educated men of color. The world sees job titles, the degrees, the outer trappings of success, and often draws the conclusion that these men don't need ministry. My experience has taught me that nothing could be farther from the truth. My objective here is to bring a word, word from the Lord that will serve as a beacon of hope, solace, and encouragement. Every few weeks, we address one particular topic, stress, fear, pressure, male bonding, failure, and success, and we see what the Word of God has to say about it. From there, we bring in a guest speaker and explore the topic in a bit more detail, and with a little bit of luck, you'll hear something that blesses you. About that, I want to hear from you. Please drop us a line at thecorporateminister at gmail.com. Again, that's thecorporateminister at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts, your feedback, and your ideas. I want to make this a space that's comfortable and relevant. And on that note, let's get started. We've spent a lot of time in previous episodes dealing with life in corporate America. Today, we're going to do something different and speak to the entrepreneurs in the audience. I'd like to explore the topic, Black entrepreneurs as investors in communities. Our scripture comes from Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Now, this is a pretty famous piece of scripture known as the parable of the talents. And let me tell you up front, talents in this context refers to sums of money. A talent was equivalent to 75 pounds of silver or roughly $1,000 in today's money. Before we get into the scripture, I want to give you just a little bit of background. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament of the Bible. It, along with the following three books, comprise what are known as the Gospels or the Good News. These four books detail the life of Jesus on earth, what he did, what he said, where he lived, how he died, and ultimately how and why he was resurrected. In this particular part of Matthew, Jesus was traveling and teaching. He taught many lessons to many people, 
And one of the ways he did so was through the use of stories or parables that he used to illustrate his points. Now, this particular parable is a little bit lengthy, but hang with me. To make it a little bit more easy to digest, I'm going to read this from a more modern translation of the Bible called the New Living Translation. As a matter of fact, that translation doesn't call it the parable of the talents. It calls it the parable of the three servants. Let's dive in. It's the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they used his money. The servant to whom he'd entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount so I will give you many more responsibilities. Let us celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servants, servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The key message here in this parable is about the wise investment or stewardship of resources. Entrepreneurs know about resources, time, money, land, people. These are all important resources. And the most successful entrepreneurs are the best stewards of resources because they know that resources are precious and in limited supply. This parable cautions us not to bury our resources, but to put them to work so they'll be multiplied and deliver increased value. Here's a verse I really, really like. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount 
So now I will give you many more responsibilities. In other words, the excellent stewardship over a small amount leading to responsibility over more. And on that note, I want to introduce today's guest. He is an entrepreneur, real estate developer, community servant, scholar, husband, and father. Karim Hudson is the founder of Genesis Companies, a full-service real estate development firm focused on the development of affordable and mixed-income housing. Over the years, Genesis has developed a reputation for turning around underutilized or underperforming real estate assets into quality, energy-efficient projects that enhance urban centers while remaining accessible to the residents of those communities. Karim's dedication to the community development extends to his personal life as well. A resident of Harlem, USA, he is actively involved in a multitude of community and charitable organizations. He's a member of the Board of Advisors for the New York City Independent Budget Office, a trustee of the New York Theological Seminary, a trustee of the Randalls Island Park Alliance Board, and trustee of the Citizens Budget Commission. Karim holds a BA in Economics and Philosophy from Amherst College, an MBA from Harvard Business School, and an MTS from Harvard Divinity School. Last but not least, Karim is also my fellow archon of Sigma Pi Phi fraternity. It is my pleasure to introduce to you, Mr. Karim Hudson. How you doing, sir? Hey, Dwayne. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here today. Wonderful, wonderful. Listen, you keep really, really busy. I just named a laundry list full of things. Can you tell our audience more about what you're up to these days? I've been, you know, running Genesis now since 2004. We founded it, you know, at that point in time, and um, we have been doing some really amazing things in terms of uh, developing projects that are meaningful into communities uh, that are in the urban setting. Um, we continue to to hire staff. We continue to, you know, turn around real property assets. We love partnering with, you know, community uh, focused groups, whether they're churches or nonprofits. We work with municipalities and, and many public-private partnerships. You know, I consider myself kind of a community leader you know, in Harlem. Um, I try to get involved and be helpful on all the issues. Um, we, um, uh, I'm also very focused these days on criminal justice. Mm. It's been a really huge issue um, that affects a plethora of, uh, of, of issues uh, that are real estate and non-real estate related. Um, I would say, you know, criminal justice that's, is at the core of some of our issues uh, with um, uh, uh, with uh, with evictions, um, and uh, and and one of the core issues when it comes to the uh, the sustainability and economic progress of of, of families of color, um, you know, certainly in New York City and in this country. And so, um, I don't. One of the things I'm not sure if you mentioned this, but I I joined the advisory board of the Vera Institute. Mm. And um, have been involved with um, trying to figure out ways to expand, you know, their reach and understand the issues that I can be an advocate for that advocate for that. So um, that's certainly an issue um, or an item that um, that I would like to highlight. You know, that is a really, really, really full plate. Now, Harvard Business School 
and Harvard Divinity School. That is a really, really, really unique combination. Can you share with our audience how that happened, how you got there? I'd love to. Um, you know, it's interesting. Um, I think you were talking on another podcast about, you know, it's not your plan, it's God's plan. Uh, that's, that's right. That's very, uh, that, that, that's not a strange uh, theme, you know, in the church. Um, you know, I, you know, I was coming from, I came to Harvard Business School. I came to Harvard really with a focus of going to business school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had uh, been an investment banker. I had um, moved over to private equity at a very successful uh, private equity shop, General Atlantic Partners. We were doing technology investing and um, I wasn't in love with technology investing. I always kick myself because I probably would have uh, made uh, 20 times the money <laughs> where technology is gone. Um, but, um, you know, I realized that, you know, if I wasn't really passionate about something, probably wasn't the right thing for me to invest my talents in. Um, and um, and so I went to, to, to business school really to try to think through and to refocus myself on something I was more passionate with. And I kind of fell in love with real estate, you know, from that, you know, from that um, launching point. And, you know, as I would say that, you know, um, as I was entering business school, and I would say in my life, in the back of my head was that I, I wanted to learn more about what I believed. Okay. It's really interesting because um, some church folks see that as being the antithesis of faith. And I had a lot of interesting conversations around that, um, and surprisingly enough. Um, and I would also always say to myself, well, if God is too small for my brain, then it can't be God, right? That's right. That's and right. So, um, and I was always passionate that um, not only do you need to kind of understand what you believe, but if I took the Bible down to a core of what it was, that wouldn't that enliven and strengthen my faith versus um, undermined it. Mm. Uh, and so um, I was in a re- I was in the middle of, of Harvard Business School in my first year, um, which is a, if anybody knows about HBS specifically, but just business school in general, you're only there for two years. And the first year is really a formative time. Right. Um, and, um, and you get to know your section, um, which you stay with the entire year. Um, and, um, and, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, something is a calling because it's tugging at you. Yeah, you're right. And, 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 and it just creeped into my mind that there was never going to be another opportunity for me to be in this academic setting where I could take advantage of folks who had an extreme amount of knowledge and wisdom in my faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I went over to the registrar and I said, look, that's what I'm going to do. And the HBS registrar kind of looked at me with three heads and said, well, that's great. You can do it, but you're not going to give me any credits for it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I, so I hightailed over to Harvard Divinity School and I, and I enrolled in a, in a class. Um, intro to the New Testament was taught by uh, a man who... Um, um, rest in peace has since passed Helmut Kester, but became one of a real mentor of mine and advocate in my um, spiritual studies. Um, he was a German theologian. Um, and, um, and, uh, and, and I just sat there and he taught from a very academic standpoint, but when you know, when the spirit's moving right in the room. And, um, and so um, I just soaked it up and I said, you know, this is something I have to do. Um, I continued to go on the path of 
of, of graduating with my section uh, in, in, in two years, but um, I remained um, at Harvard Divinity School um, because I was just passionate about getting that degree. Um, and um, actually when I started, I graduated in HBS in 2003, took a year off from Divinity School. It was the most painful year that I could have. Mm. I have to get back into this. I got back into it, started Genesis at the same time. And, you know, God blesses because, you know, at that time, you know, they had the Chinatown bus and JetBlue had just launched. Mm-hmm. Who was running those $20 airfare trips <laughs> to Boston. So, you know, um, you know, when you determine God makes a way, right? So I essentially used to pick classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays because I couldn't go Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And and um, would enroll in those classes and and go up Tuesday, you know, take the classes, come back, work on my way back, go up Thursday, work on my way back, and be in the city Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Um, and that was my life. And I graduated with a master's in theological studies in 2007, and it's been a complete complete blessing. I was able to get involved uh, in my church. I went to my pastor. I said, Hey, you know, no. This is my passion, teaching, helping people understand what it is that they believe. He said, you know what, Karim, in the ministry, there's room for the teacher, right? Yes. And I know in a lot of our churches, we talk about the pastors, the teacher, and the and and the preacher. But, you know, he, he was blessed enough and had enough wisdom and foresight to say, it's okay that you can take on the role of teacher. And and he allowed me to teach some, what I felt like were just wonderful classes. I get to, got to meet some just adults who are just passionate and interested and curious. And I was able to say, you know what? It's okay to be curious. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to mm-hmm. say, I don't understand why this is saying this and what does that mean? And what was happening at this time? And why was this relevant? Who was Jesus, by the way? What was he doing? Mm-hmm. I know you're telling me this, but you know, I heard he was a carpenter and what does that mean? And what what, was, what does life look like? And what was it like back in those times? And we, we tear all that apart and we talk about it and people just left with an invigorated, I think, faith. Um, because they had so much understanding and they could interpret what they needed. They didn't need someone to interpret it for them, but they could interpret what they want by their understanding. How can I apply this word based on what I know about it to what I'm going through every day? And so it's been a complete blessing. And, you know, look, I always tell folks in leadership that I think every um, class on pastoral counseling ought to be required for any business leader. Yes, sir. There is no better way of learning how to deal with people. And you know what the most important thing to do if you're a CEO, and Dwayne, I know you know this, and that's listening. Yes, sir. And it's so hard to be the talented 10th and listen. Yep. And it's something that every business school tries to teach, and but it's so hard to do. And that's what pastoral counseling really helps you to learn to do. And it ought to be required teaching at at at, um, at at every business school. And I think actually from my from my uh, some recent conversations that I think Harvard Business School and Harvard Divinity School are partnering to try to get that learning over to the new leaders over there. So that's a long way of, of that's my story. That's my journey. It's been a <laughs> blessing. It's been hard, um, but it's something I've persevered through, and I think I've um, been blessed because of it. And our audience is blessed to hear it now. You're no stranger to the parable of the talents. Um, obviously, you you went to D school. How does that parable matter to you? How did, how has that shown up in your life and in your work? You know, to me, the parable of the talents are is difficult because we hear words 
that we don't really like to hear, themes that we don't really like to have to deal with, right? Responsibility, accountability, mm. evaluation, right? These are not, you know, things that we really want to embrace all the time, right? And I think even as entrepreneurs or small business leaders, um, you get into this notion of, well, or people get into this notion of, hey, you're your own boss, right? But I tell folks all the time that, you know, that doesn't mean that you're on an extended vacation or just have self-inflicted stress that you could walk away from, right? Mm -hmm. The lesson here is that, you know, you have to chart your path to success. You have to rethink that path and figure out how you hold yourself responsible and accountable towards it. Um, and I would say I had a friend of mine who, um, you know, one day I was complaining about, you know, where I thought my level of success was and where it should have been. And this was early on. And when I first started Genesis and uh, he's a good friend of mine, he kind of looked at me and he said, you know, Karim, you're the one who decided to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you know what? That's accountability. Mm -hmm. um, and um, and I said, you know what? To myself, I said, I didn't tell him, but I said to myself, you know, he's absolutely right. I've never forgotten those words. Mm. And every time I'm sitting around making a decision, I'm frustrated about something. I'm thinking, hey, you know what? This is the path you took. You're responsible for the results here. Mm -hmm. right? And so dive in and deal with it. And when that servant decided to dig the hole or when that servant decided to uh, multiply those talents, they were making decisions that they didn't have to live with. Um, and I think that's how this shows up every day um, for somebody like me. Excellent. Now, if we were to distill it down, you know, to one key takeaway, the key message for brothers who are business owners and entrepreneurs, what, what would that one key takeaway be? I think at the end of the day, oh, the way that I interpret it, right, is, um, you know, when you talk about servants, that's not, that's, that's, those aren't, that's not wording that we're necessarily comfortable with. Right. Mm. Um, but I would say that the talent, um, to me and what you did with that talent is about at the end of the day, um, what, um, you planted in somebody else's life. Ah, that's the way I think about it, right? So for me as an entrepreneur, it's really easy to get caught up in my four walls. It's really easy to be caught up in my problems, right? Um, but at the end of the day, the key to happiness, the key to multiplying it is what you've done is that you've actually raised up folks, you've created that legacy, you've created opportunity right, for folks that folks can exist in. And to me, that is what's building you up, mm -hmm. right? So I always say to myself, hey, you know, at the end of the day, what am I, what am I most happy, right? I'm not most happy because I've made, you know, necessarily a 30% return on an investment. I'm most happy when I see my business flourishing. Hey, you know what? I'm hiring more people. I see those people now doing well. I'm now um, putting tenants in place that are living better lives and prospering. And because of that, I'm doing well. My buildings are now performing better, right? My investments are now having a greater return. And so all of that comes together. To me, that is really what this is about. And the person who dug themselves in that hole, who dug that talent and buried it, really what they did is say, I'm going to focus on myself. That's right. <laughs>
That's I'm right. going to focus on, hey, I got this dollar. I need to figure out how not to lose it mm-hmm. and how not to make, have somebody else get it or take advantage of me, right? And to me, that is the antithesis of happiness. There you go. There you go. Now, these are unsettling times. I mean, there's all kinds of things going on. How do you think this message speaks to such a time as this? Um, you know, it's almost the same as my last answer. You know, happiness equals giving and building up. Mm. And I think it's so easy in, in pandemic times to become self-focused, right? Uh, to become worried about what it is that you're doing, what you're getting. Um, but the ultimate message of the carpenter, carpenter, right, is that to build oneself up is to love others, mm. right? And so if you can do that and live that journey, then I think um, that's what gets you through, you know, these tough times. Um, and um, and that's what I try to focus on every day. Um, you know, I um, I look at, you know, the stories, the families. I had, you know, I had um, somebody come and talk to me about how we, you know, we got a job to somebody who had lost two or three jobs because, you know, they had a, a little bit of a different schedule. The brother had, you know, some issues with um, with childcare, um, and um, and so um, you know he could work at certain times during the week when most employers needed him to work. And um, I was so proud because nobody came back to me and said, "Hey, Krim, we need to fire this guy." Nobody came back to me and said, "Hey, Krim, Krim, can we get permission to adjust this guy's schedule?" They just went and did it. You know why? Because it makes sense. There you go. It made sense. And that was the type of culture and creativity that I felt like I had built for my people to be able to survive under and live under that they felt empowered to be able to make that decision. Right. And so I was just proud of that, that we've created that type of culture. And that's an example, I think, of giving and building up and happiness, because I'm sitting back and saying, hey, we're going on the right thing. We're doing the right thing. We're going on the right path. We haven't done anything correctly. But but this is direction you want to be going to be able to create a company that we felt like is building people up, giving and also succeeding monetarily. Outstanding. Well, tell me this. How can my audience stay connected with you and the work that you're doing? Absolutely. So, you know, I'm a big LinkedIn um, uh, person. So. You, know, you can follow me. It's just Karim Hudson, H-U-T-S-O-N on LinkedIn. You know, I'm posting stuff about what's happening in affordable housing, issues that I'm passionate about um, uh, on LinkedIn oftentimes. Also, you can follow my company, which is genesiscompanies.com. Um, um, and uh, we have a lot of information there about what's going on in the projects that we're working on. Outstanding. So as we come to the end of our time together, do you have a final thought that you'd like to share with the audience? Um, sure. Um, you know, um, people often ask me, you know, how I came up with the name Genesis. Um, so I'll share that with you. Um, you know, um, if you look at some of the um, most literal interpretations, right, of Genesis, it's about uh, God coming. And, and, and I think the wording is, you know, when, um, um, uh, when God began, when God began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, right? And darkness was over the face of the earth. Right. Um, or over the face of the deep, I believe it is. Um, and um, and so in some cases um, and in some interpretations, folks have said that when you really look at what that wording means, it's not so much that God began to create something out of nothing. Right. 
but that God began to shape and improve upon what was already there. Um, and Genesis thinks about going into communities, going to neighborhoods, and not necessarily taking folks out of darkness, like building something that's 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 that has nothing going on for it, but figuring out ways to come in and to optimize, to improve, to increase, to help folks to continue to prosper. And that's the way we think about the work that we're doing. And that's the way I would encourage all of the listeners to think about the work that they're doing. How can I be adding to what God is building already to continue to help people, to build people up, to build up communities and to build up myself? And that to me is the ultimate lesson of Genesis and the ultimate lesson of the parable of the, of the talents. That's amazing, sir. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for sharing. I just appreciate so much that you would spend a little time here with me and with our audience. I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dwayne. I appreciate it. Dwayne, you're doing great work and we love your podcast. All right, man. You take care and be blessed. Thanks for joining us at The Corporate Minister. We appreciate your spending time with us and we would love to hear from you. If you have show ideas, prayer concerns, or if you are blessed by what you heard today, please drop us a note at thecorporateminister at gmail.com. Again, that's thecorporateminister at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you and we'll see you next time.